Welcome to Altus Insights podcast series with Ray and Marlin, hosted by me, Avi. This podcast will cover monthly market updates and construction cost impacts across major markets in Canada. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking about scheduled delays, which is always a fun topic. I had a great scheduled delay myself, just flew in from Halifax last night, got in at 4 a.m. in the morning, so I'm not extremely tired. As much as I'm wearing the tropical jersey, it was warm, but rained all day yesterday. So today, we're going to change things up a little bit. We've ditched Avi again, and now we have Ray and then Dwayne, and we're going to be talking and focusing specifically on schedule. So maybe, Dwayne, do you want to do a quick introduction to yourself as you're the new guy around here? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, my name is Duan van der Merwe. Uh, I joined Altus about a year ago. Um, I, um, I've been working across many different regions of the world. Uh, a lot of that time was spent in the Middle East on mega projects. And what usually comes with mega projects is mega delays and a lot of, a lot of claims. Um, so a lot of my expertise were in forensic schedule delay analysis and, and that sort of landed me in Canada about five years ago, um, also realizing that projects are no different over here. They all suffer from uh, various different issues that lead to delays and I've, uh, I've not uh, looked elsewhere since. So you're having lots of fun, especially in the current market, because we know that <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say that 90% of all projects are delayed by by some level of months and there's a hell of a lot of projects that are significantly delayed so yeah. i think today we're going to start talking about how big the problems are what sort of delays have been plaguing these development projects and it really is a national issue i know that there's certain cities suffer a little bit more toronto would be a good example based on my trip to halifax the definition of slow based on the four days i watched the site there and then um what sort of strategies are we going to talk about and whatnot so Dwayne, we'll yeah, start with yeah. the first sort of question, which is what sort of impacts are you seeing from the delays? And then why are we seeing widespread project delays? And I know we're going to talk about cost escalation and stuff like that. But how about yeah. just the general delays? And then maybe I'll touch on escalation and Ray can talk about the sort of the, the business side of things. Yeah, so I think uh, the pandemic has given us various issues that um, we have a norm for that isn't usual to the construction market. So um, there are you know, issues such as supply chain. And it's not necessarily major components. It might be raw materials that go into main components um, that are uh, affecting construction. So at the beginning of the pandemic, for instance, uh, switch gear was a massive issue, um, like, you know, with the shutdowns in Europe. And those were just building components. But then uh, in recent times, We've been seeing things like um, heat pumps being delayed on projects in Alberta, um, not, not because of the components inside like the heat pumps or, or the manufacturing of the heat pumps, but it is the um, actual metal sheeting required to build it that prevented them from, from being manufactured. So um, many of these things uh, have delayed projects across the board. Then here in the GTA, We've had a, a major strike in the in the house building um, sort of construction labor market, and then there's the other strike that I think is happening, you know, or has happened recently with the operators. And um, on top of that, you know, we still have uncertainty with uh, COVID nineteen impacts. You know, we we seem to be out of the pandemic, but 
you never know, especially with monkeypox around the corner. It might be pandemic 2.0. Um, yeah, and, and, and I think it's, it's things like that that we're currently seeing um, that's affecting projects that are out of the norm. Um, I mean, per, permit, I guess, is the other one. Um, I mean, per, permits traditionally have always been an issue with most projects that break ground early and they don't get the documentation in place to, you know, go above ground level and, and start superstructure. But municipalities and, 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 you know, even the utility companies are taking much longer to turn around the documentation required to build. And I think that we are seeing a lot more projects that are that are sitting in uh, in sticky situations where you know they they can't go beyond the excavation or they they don't have crossing permits you know for utilities and things like that. So so you know it's it's I would say more extreme than what what we've seen in the past. And also the I think it's a bit more unpredictable in terms of when we can expect tape like paperwork to be turned around or permits to be issued. Ray, what are you seeing from your side and then I'll touch on the cost side of things. You brought up the whole thing about the the, the pandemic. So especially on the office front, as, as uh, owners try to get um, people back into the workplace, there's a lot more sort of increased demand for different amenities and different attributes of, the, of uh, for the building, especially with new safety protocols um, on uh, COVID and as well as from an ESG standpoint, whether or not there's um, you know, more environmentally um, friendly materials on the construction, Dwayne, are, are you seeing any of that that's contributing to sort of some changes to um, the, um, the, the requirements of some of these new projects that are also contributing to the scheduling de- delays in, in a way of trying to make the, the buildings a little bit more um, adaptive to the the post pandemic um, um, sort of, um, especially in the last uh, year or so. So, uh, I mean, I've certainly seen where where the health and safety requirements certainly impacted schedule. So, uh, at the very at the very beginning, uh, I'm not too sure that I've come across you know material change or or you know. Um, or anything like that, but we have seen, you know, from from an actual social distancing point of view or physical distancing, that um, projects were disrupted. You can't have the same amount of labor in one area. So um, we did see that, you know, like splitting shifts. So you would do one activity in the day and one at night where possible. Um, but but certainly. You, you know, from a health and safety standpoint, there were impacts. And we have seen on other projects where where interior layouts have been re, you know, sort of redesigned with uh, physical distancing in mind. You know, so people are focusing more on um, movement of, you know, human traffic, pinch points in, you know, where, where people are likely to congregate. So, so yes, I, I think that there certainly is changes coming through, and um, I guess in the settings that are more sensitive to, um, you know, to the, the volume of people passing through, or, or if we call it human traffic, um, I'm expecting to see many more changes uh, in 
in the pipeline, I think, because we haven't really been as conscious of the challenge before as we, we are now. And that's showing up in actual, um, especially you know, when you look at the office sector um, with respect to um, leasing demand. We're getting a lot more lease activity in the newer buildings versus the, some of the older buildings. And in, in Toronto alone, the, the, the office vacancy rate, especially downtown, is, 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 is a lot lower with newer structures allowing for these amenities and, and as well as the sort of um, social distancing aspect of it. So some of these delays and some of these increase in costs are actually showing up in better performance with some of the newer buildings as well. Yeah. And and I and I believe and I believe with the new build you still have an opportunity to, um, you know, cost effectively amend or or make changes to your interior design. I think with existing buildings the challenge is, you know, things have already been built. You know, you can't really change structural elements around, and because none of these things were ever you know in mind at the time the building was. So, so it does make absolute sense. Yeah. yeah, and I think tying it into the cost side, I mean, it's been a bit of a broken record this year on the subject, but we actually view time as the biggest risk to a project. And the reason we view yeah. time as the biggest risk is escalation exists over time. Therefore, the longer the delay, the larger the cost impact be that. Before construction or during, and you touched on one of my favorite subjects, which is municipal approvals and planning approvals. And realistically, that is the largest risk. Yeah. That, that is part of the big challenge now. When we see escalation in the double digits in a number of the locations, time's going to be this, the biggest killer. One of the things that often surprises me is I think people are more obsessed over cost escalation, price increases, changes, the smaller stuff on a pro forma per se, and the little line sometimes, like people are willing to argue for an hour about how much a structural engineer should get paid. Yeah. But I find oftentimes not, not as big a discussion as you would think when it is so so essential to that performance of the pro forma and that everyone tends to just go, okay, I did I did a project 10 years ago. It took 36 months. Let's just throw 36 months at it because 10 yeah. years ago I do today. And I don't know about your opinion on this. I think productivity has been plummeting. And I think there's evidence to that plummet productivity, especially over the last seven years, as yeah. the market's been so volatile in number markets, productivity is dropping. Is that, is that a direction you're seeing as well? That realistically, construction is just slower. It's one of those things. I, yeah, so absolutely, and and I mean, we we haven't really got the data to to back up what uh, what I believe is happening, but certainly what we are seeing is that you know there is uh, a lot more work than there is trade, and they're very quick to start the next job and sort of lose sight of their priorities, and and I feel like that you know they they are shifting between projects and and piecemealing and. You don't really see, you know, that anybody sort of focuses on one project from start to finish. It's almost it's almost as if everybody's working when they have some time available, or when you know the 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 squeaky gear gets the oil. So you know, whichever project makes the most noise, that's where you find the trades. And I mean, I, I've I've been on quite a few site walks myself, and and it certainly feels to me as if there is almost a slowdown in construction. I mean, none of none of the sites really give me a sense of urgency. Um, but but again, I'm I'm I don't have the data to suggest it, but I do think that at the moment, um, you know, it's 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 a trades market in the construction industry at the moment, and I think they it's almost as if um, 
you know the projects that are more interesting or or, or has the has the uh, the biggest scope is the project that everybody wants to work on. Um, but but then having said that, I think I think that that with a lot of the permit delays, a lot of uh, so, so let's just say, for instance, we break ground early, but you already bought out all of your trades, and everybody's expecting a certain, uh, you know, date to start work at. We are seeing, uh, as part of claims, where permits get delayed, or, or let's just say, utility crossing. So, if it's not a municipality, and now the utility company isn't allowing you to cross over their, you know, their existing utilities, then, you know. We've seen, we've seen, for instance, where a shoring contractor would, you know, say, okay, well, we've missed the time slot. We're no longer available. We've started on another project, and now all of a sudden, you're seeing a claim for, for their um, sort of lost opportunities and and a delayed uh, mobilization. I mean, it's um, it's it's becoming more and more common that. Um, trades more than likely to sign a contract and hope for, you know, for a date that they start at. But in the meantime, they go out there and they go find the next job. And I think, you know, if the if the schedule allows them to go ahead, then then they start that work and try and figure out how they start the work on the other project when when it's ready to go. Yeah, and I, I was at lunch today, and there was part of the discussion, Wavrin, that there almost seems to be a degree of too much comfort in the market. A degree, a yeah. slight degree of complacency, and that that's having an impact. I mean, if you look at the municipalities, do they care if they don't approve something on time? No, there's no impact yeah. to them. If anything, yeah. actually, they get more money. The longer it takes, DCs keep going up because someone thinks that's a great idea for housing affordability. Yeah. So delays actually generate more money. So why are they in a hurry? And then if, if you look at the trades, they have so many projects, like you say, that in essence, it keeps the crews busy. And again, yeah. you're trying to manage the crew. So you're going to go work for the guy that can start on time. You know, he's going to pay you on time. There's going to be probably a, a fairly straightforward, well-run job with a seasoned superintendent. Whereas yeah. now the challenge is with that comfort level, like you say, it's it's almost like the projects almost feel like some of them are going slow. Some of them are going full gangbusters. Yeah. So you look across the street from each other and it's like, What's the difference between that project and why is their format going up like almost three times the speed as this guy across the street? And I, I think uh, again, avoiding uh, uh, data because you know who wants facts to ruin a good story? I think everybody yeah. can see it, and it's. Yeah. I, I still remember ten years ago, everyone was like, "Oh, we can do a four day cycle." These days, it's well, we may be able to do seven days. <laughs> like it's that. It just feels slower. Yeah, no, and, and and I certainly you you can certainly see that. I, I'm obviously different contractors have different methods, and uh, some are more organised than some. And but I think I think you are right. So you know, it's uh, and I believe that if we do look at you know how how the various claims that we've looked at lately uh, is put together. So typically, when the market is slow, you will see more. Uh, claims for lost opportunity. So, you know, if a subcontractor um, is unable to perform the work for whatever reason, um, they are going to try and recover the money for the business they've lost, uh, you know, for not being able to go onto a different job site. But for that, they have to prove they actually, uh, they actually incurred a loss. So, you know, they, they turn down work with the, with the hopes of starting, you know, a new project. The project is delayed and, um, you know, they have to demonstrate that that now they've incurred a loss. But 
when the market is booming and they have more work on their books than planned, they do still submit a lost opportunity claim or, or an unabsorbed head, head office cost that, that they, they believe they've lost, but they can't prove it because their books are overloaded with work. Um, so I, I think that it, it might be a good leading indicator of, you know, a, um, a market that has more work than it has skilled labor. Um, but, you know, we, we all know that we're about to go into uh, a bit of a lull in the construction industry. I mean, I, I know that you, you certainly can talk about that. I mean, from a claims perspective, it's a period of time where people are looking to recover more money. So, um, you know, it, people have to be a bit more money savvy and, and for situations where they'd be, you know, probably less inclined to submit a claim for additional compensation. Um, it's usually during recessions when everybody's crawling back as much as they can. So I think uh, it's an opportunity to actually look at the data and, and, and see what, what the data from, uh, from the various claims that we'll see over this slowdown is going to tell us of, of what's happening in the market. Yeah, and I suppose, Ray, over to you. Before, I mean, generally, uh, the feeling is things are going to slow down. Every time I look on LinkedIn, you keep saying how good things were in Q1 and Q2, but where do you, where do you really see Q3 and Q4 going? And I know you don't have the information to support that yet, but I mean, what's your gut feeling on Ray where the market's kind of heading? Because that does tie into schedule what Duane was saying about increased claims from trades and stuff, which I'll, I want to talk about in a sec as well. Well, you know, Marlon, your favorite line with, uh, with respect to the performance, and even before this, this uh, perhaps uh, the interest rate hikes and everything else going up was a concern with um, higher costs for land, in addition to what what the construction costs are, and then what's sort of bearable on a rent side, especially on the industrial side, where rents have gone up by you know, 20, 30 percent in the last um, couple of years, and whether or not that will continue. But if you look at the increase in service land costs, like in, in, in Mississauga, um, you're looking at um, north of um, 3 million an acre, if you can even find land. Um, so there, there is more constraint that way. But what we're seeing across the board is not so much um, a slowdown, but perhaps a hesitation in scrutinizing the numbers a lot more closely. What are the performers? What are the rents that will justify certain projects? And then uh, from the developer standpoint, should certain projects or certain launches be delayed um, when things stabilize a little bit more or things sort of change a little bit more. So a little bit more uh, uh, more certainty. So the challenge we're running into now, even though the, all the numbers are still pointing with especially a very strong investment activity um, in first quarter and going into second quarter, we won't see into about third or fourth qu quarter the real impact of investment volume. But at the same time, We'll keep saying over and over again, the amount of capital that's looking for real estate remains strong. But now the different factors, when you look at costs, interest rates, and a few other things, that, um, that it's, it may cause sort of a pause with, especially with some of the price expectations from the vendor and purchaser standpoint, and to justify some of those, um, those acquisitions. 
based on certain the price expectations um, that that we're seeing in the marketplace. So maybe we're, we we might be seeing a bit of a, a, a slowdown coming up, um, but we're starting to see a little bit more concern from the investors, and definitely everyone is paying more closely closer attention to the to the the inputs and the numbers. Yeah, so tying the two things together, you, you've been talking about a potential slowdown in the market. And Dwayne was talking about contractors as things start to slow down, trying to claim back money. And I think that heads over onto the cash flow side of things to a degree before we start talking about the solution side. And we've already seen Paris Kitchens go into liquidation. We saw Armstrong Flooring go into bankruptcy protection in the US. It's all around cash flow, and cash flow is directly linked to time. And I yeah. think to Dwayne's point, there's a number of people that have probably bid stuff. Uh, now struggling, material prices, equipment prices, everything's increasing rapidly. They may try a claim, but they only have so long to go, especially in the environment with interest rates increasing, trying to obtain money. So I suppose the next question is, as projects go on hold, we know there's going to be a degree of cancellations where that's going to be. The question is then on the schedule side of things, how long before we see more trade challenges, either performance on side or potential liquidation or financing challenges, my personal opinion is we're going to start seeing a ramp up of that starting around now. And I think, Duane, to your point about claims, it seems to be anecdotally, you are starting to see a change in the aggression on claims and stuff, which yeah. could be an indication that there is some sensitivity around that, not necessarily doom and gloom, but there's definitely signs yeah. of a potential storm on the horizon. I know. Yeah, and and certainly, I mean, I don't view a claim as a negative thing. Uh, the purpose of a claim is to recover Damages. It's not an opportunity to make more profit. You know, it it doesn't it, it doesn't fix your failure to to estimate your work properly. Um, so so in my mind, if if you are using the claims process to recover lost money, it's it's completely fine. I mean, you're 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 legally entitled to it. Yeah. No, but I mean, uh, so if they can prove that they've made it, that they've contractually incurred additional costs, then obviously they'll be entitled to it. But but there is a change management process which which isn't used um, very well, I think, across many projects in in Canada from what from what we're seeing. So you'd see that most change scope or or, or uh, uh, change orders do um, evaluate the direct cost that is uh, you know for whatever the change is, whether it's material, labor, whatever. Um, but they fail to evaluate time. So, so more often than not, we see um, the change orders, you know, potentially having a time uh, impact on the schedule. But the, you know, the executed change order will say zero days. Uh, nobody has, nobody's um, sort of evaluated the amount of general conditions or or any of the costs associated with time on that change order. And then we see down the line where we have this cumulative impact of change that people are coming back and reopening up the books on these already executed change orders to to try and claim time. Um, and and I think that that so so that is not the correct way to go about it because as an owner, it gives you complete uncertainty in your project in terms of your final uh, cost. Uh, uh, you know, for completing the work, it also gives you, uh, you know, a lot of uncertainty in your schedule. So, did this change order add three months to my schedule, or did this change order really have a zero-day impact, or we were able to shuffle things around? And and the issue is, is that if you know upfront that uh, a change order has 
some time associated with it. And, you know, the change might be further down the line. Um, you have an opportunity to try and figure out if there is a way to mitigate that time impact, whether, you know, whether it is fast tracking some scopes of work, whether it is freighting, you know, or air freighting some components. But if you weren't given the opportunity to actually evaluate mitigation options, so if your change order said there's zero day impact, you throw all of that opportunity out the window and, you know, you end up in a claim situation because everybody says, oh, you know, we, we ought to have known that there was an impact, but, you know, this or the sub trade or the contract or the, the uh, instruction manager might not have evaluated that. So they, they misused the change order process. And, and I think that my message would be that we should be seeing less claims if the change the change management process under most contracts is used as they're intended. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dwayne, for joining us and Ray, as always. I mean, we're going to split this subject into two topics. So today was the doom and gloom. We sort of covered the bad side. The next podcast, we're going to start talking about some of the solutions, which was Dwayne was starting to touch on towards at the end. Um, so we'll talk to you soon. And thanks very much. <laughs>